today, attorney Kenneth Verona. So not everyone was fortunate to pivot or adjust during the ECQ. And some of us are just reopening our businesses now. So tonight, Ken guides us through the reopening process and complying to new uh, regulations in the new normal. So Ken addresses questions like, um, how do we open in a way that is safe to both our uh, ourselves, our, our team, and our customers? How, which operations do we retain in a work from home setup? And how do we manage costs such as rent and uh, other finance uh, issues? And of course, how do we adhere to health standards and regulations? So Ken is an independent uh, business and legal consultant. He also co-manages economerienda.com. It's a website that gives uh, practical tips on law, business, and life. So all right, let me turn you over to Ken. So help me welcome him in the chat box below. And uh, welcome, Ken. Thanks for joining us. The virtual stage is all yours now. Ken, uh, just uh, unmute your mic. Can you hear me, Tim? Yes, I can hear you now. Is the audio okay? Yeah, I can hear you now. I can't hear anything. All right. Uh, I can hear okay. you. Yeah. So thank you, Tim, for that introduction. And yes, okay. So I guess I can start. Yes, so thank you, yes, Tim, for that introduction and that generous introduction and uh, greetings to everyone and thank you for attending this webinar and today the topic for today is about doing business in the new normal regulatory compliance and discussion of relevant law in these trying times the topics that i am going to talk about today today include capacity restrictions for industry health protocols calls that have been promulgated by the DTI and the DOLE uh, with regard to businesses that are reopening. In and that will also include the duties of the employee and the employer uh, in the new normal. I will also talk about rental, uh, the, defer the deferral of rental. And also, the title of this talk is about doing business and reopening in the new normal but i will also give a few uh lessons about insolvency and about closing the business because that has uh, nobody wants to close their business or go into insolvency but that has become a reality uh, for many businesses today and in fact for many of them that is the most prudent thing to do and it is also relevant not only for businesses that are suffering, but also for businesses that have suppliers or have business partners or, or certain clients that, uh, that haven't paid them yet. So insolvency proceedings is not only relevant for the debtor, but the creditor. And uh, some of that I'll, I'll talk about uh, in the later part of my talk so 
if you go to covid19.gov.ph, you will see a list of issuances from the DTI, the DOH, the Department of Labor. And these issuances, these regulations, are keep on growing over time. And they keep on getting updated. And it can sound rather uh, it, it, it can look rather intimidating. Uh, for the average, for, for the layman, for the non, uh, for the person who is not legally trained to read all of this. Now, fortunately for you, I have read these regulations and I've identified what, what is relevant for MSMEs. And I hope that this uh, lecture will be helpful in that regard. Um, so the first, uh, the first thing that you need to ask uh, in, in, in the new normal is, can I even open my business? Can I even reopen? Right? And the answer to that will depend on what industry you are in. So uh, if the answer to that will depend on what industry you are in, and um, yes, uh, before I go into the capacity restrictions, I, I just a quick tip because the regulations will be updated over time, and at the end of the day. The regulatory agencies are part of the executive branch of the government, which means that the regulations that they issue must uh, serve only to implement the law. And the law here being the Bayanihan to heal as one act. Right? So, as a guide to your thinking for future regulations, you can, I advise strongly that you read this law um, because at the end of the day, the future regulations, the present and future regulations that will be issued in relation to this pandemic have to be justified in terms of the Bayanihan to Heal as One Act. So we can go now to. So before you open uh, business, before, before you open your business in the new normal, the first thing that you need to ask is, can I even open my business? And the answer to this, of course, will depend on what industry you are in. Now, um, if you are in, now we can start with, there are four categories here, and we can start with category four, which enumerates businesses that are not allowed to operate even in GCQ. Now, these are businesses such as uh, gyms, fitness studios, sports facilities, uh, amusement parks, and playrooms for kids, water parks and resorts, uh, hotels, um, except, of course, OFWs, those who are stranded, uh, which includes foreigners. And unless you have a long-term booking, uh, the hotels cannot accommodate you during this time. Now, it also mentions libraries and cultural centers. Uh, I, I, have, I have misgivings about libraries and cultural, li libraries in particular being included in category four, but that's the law. So we have to follow that. And so these businesses are not allowed to operate even under GCQ according to a DTI regulation. So next we go into category three. And under category three are um, 
businesses like uh, legal and accounting, uh, advertising, architecture, uh, architecture, coding, programming, businesses like uh, office supplies, bookstores, malls. So these are businesses that, well, you can see this in the mall, in GCQ. The malls are already operating. And these businesses, if you, if you are one of these businesses, you can operate at a maximum of 50% uh, capacity. Um, so that is, that is what the regulation says. So um, if you're a startup, for example, uh, and you do some design work, you go to the office to do design or something related to textiles or, or some kind of uh, uh, publishing, then you can operate at fifty per at a maximum fifty percent capacity since you are in category three. Um, how am I doing, Tim? Uh, you think I need to clarify anything? Tim. Hi. Uh, yeah, I think uh, you're doing well. Um, yeah. Sorry for the technical difficulties. Yeah, but I just wanted to check. Uh, I was curious about uh, these uh, capacities. Like, how are how will government then, uh, check that you're adhering to these so 50%? You, are there any questions that I need? Uh, yeah, uh, th that's it. I think uh, there's a lag, a time lag a bit. Well, the only way that they can check is Yes, thanks, Tim. Thanks for the question. Um, that's a good question. The only way that they're going to check is if they visit. Yes, there is. There's a time lag. Uh, they're able to check. The only way they're able to check really is by inspection. They can inspect uh, the premises. But of course, um, from my observation, the government, uh, the enforcement of this is quite lenient because, uh, of course, everybody is suffering. Right and and the application of the regulation, of course, is 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 meant uh, to to ensure safety. So it's just the rule of reason that the application of these regulations, the fifty percent, uh, is 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 a guide. At least that that that's, that 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 would be a reasonable interpretation of the regulations, right? That the fifty percent is a guide, and that if 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 the establishment can maintain. Uh, the one meter distance, safety protocols, um, the, the application of this law should not be uh, very strict. Um, but then uh, at the same time, we have to keep in, in, in our minds that that is the number that they provided, the 50%, 50 uh, cap working capacity of the business for, for category. For category. That was uh, a satisfactory answer, Tim. So now we can go to on-site protocols. The DOLE and the DTI have promulgated uh, rules to, to, to help businesses ensure uh, that, that the spread of, to, to prevent the spread of infection in, in, their, in, the, in the office space. So uh, in this regard, there are certain 
on-site protocols that must be followed. So as an MSME, once you have already decided that your business can operate um, as a category, uh, as a category three uh, a business or uh, the, or, or uh, a business that can operate, then you have to, the, the next thing that you have to do is you, you need to update your company policy to reflect the interim rules of the DTI and the DOLE. So you have to update uh, the company policy and you have to educate your workforce about this company health protocol. And this will include uh, a designation of a safety officer, which is usually the security guard, right? And as you have already observed, I'm sure, the security guard asks those who are going in to the establishment to fill in a form which will indicate the temperature. The temperature, the name, the address, and if the temperature is more than 37.5, if it's a customer, then the customer can't go in. If the temperature, if it's an employee, then the employee has to be isolated from uh, everybody else in the workplace. So, so that is the rule. And then the, it also bears reminding that the employer has to provide disinfectants, alcohol, and that the cost of the personal protective equipment, including face shields, masks, alcohol, cannot be passed on to the employee, but will be, will be a cost on the employer. And uh, always there must be a physical distance of one meter. And as you have already probably noticed, like if you enter Starbucks, for example, the, the workplace has been redesigned so that people can only move in a unidirectional fashion or manner. So that, is, that are some of the on-site protocols. So the next slide. The interim guidelines of the DTI and the DOLE also provide for the duties of the employees. So you can read that in the slide. And again, this, this, can be de this will be delegated to the security guard or the safety officer that has been designated by the business manager, right? So um, again, physical distancing, just proper respiratory etiquette, wearing of masks, the thermal check. And again, you have to, in, after you draft your company health policy, you have to conduct a, a meeting whether through Zoom or, well, ideally through, through online means that, in, that can educate the employees or your workforce and your managers to enforce these in your workplace. So the next slide is, all right, so it's the duty of the employer so again, I've already mentioned this. And one other thing I need to mention is the work accident and illness report, which has to be uh, submitted to the DOLE, copy furnished the DOH every month. So I strongly advise that you download the interim rules of the DTI and the DOLE, because there you will find the work accident and illness report, which you have to submit to the DOLE and the DOH uh, on a monthly basis. So it's important to 
be able to comply with these rules because the consequence of not complying uh, will, of course, be a fine and a possible imprisonment because that's what uh, is stated in the law. And not only that, as a practical uh, matter, uh, it, it also says in the interim rules that the the employee, if if it's found that an employee is infected, then the 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 workers who were in the same establishment with that employee have to do a 14-day quarantine. So if that happens, then the, the operation of the business will basically be put to a stop because the workers will now have to do a 14-day quarantine. So, so, so Tim, uh, let's go to the next slide. Next slide. Right, so we do have a data privacy law, and in the new normal, you will notice that your not only your temperature is being recorded by the establishments that you enter, but also your name, your address, um, and and like if if you if you if you're with if you live with somebody who has COVID and etc cetera, etc. Cetera. So there is rampant data collection in our society now. And the way to comply as a business with um, with the data uh, privacy law is basically just to provide a notice in your establishment stating that the data that will be collected, i.e. the temperature, the name, the address, um, etc., will only be used to comply with the law. And that this information will be kept confidential and that only authorized person can access it and that it will be retained for as long as necessary. This information, uh, the purpose of the data privacy law is just so that the, the information will not be abused. That is to say that it will not fall into the hands of bad actors. So in, in drafting um, that notice, just remember that that's the purpose and you need to set procedures in place to safeguard that data. So uh, make sure that it's not, it's not enough that you provide that notice. You, you actually need to safeguard that data because realize that it can fall into the hands of bad actors. Tim, uh, are there, uh, how am I doing so far, Tim? Right, you're doing well. Uh, there's a bit of a lag, uh, but just continue uh, with your talk. Okay. So the next uh, topic is flexible work arrangements. And uh, here, there are in the DOLE advisory, uh, there, are, there, there are a number of flexible work arrangements that are allowed. And so one is reduction of work hours or a shortening of the work week. So uh, for example, this can mean instead of five days a week of working, the worker only has to go to the office for three days a week and the other flexible work arrangement is rotation of workers so what this means is like one set of workers uh, goes into the office this week but then the next week another set of workers go in to the office and then and, and then it, they just go to the office uh, like 
different groups go to the office per week. So that's what rotation of workers mean. And there's also forced leave. And there's also work from home. When it comes to work from home, the Dole advises that you need to prioritize high-risk groups like the elderly and those who have compromised immune systems. And, and, that's, and, and those have to be prioritized for work from home. And this is not a the flexible work arrangement. It's not the ones listed in the slide. It's not uh, exhaustive. And also in the advisory, the employee and the employer can work out different types of work arrangement of work arrangements that are beneficial to to the business. Now, in any type of work arrangement, it has to be described and the dolly has to be notified. So I strongly advise that you download Labor Advisory number nine and use the report form there if you intend to apply a, a, uh, a flexible work arrangement. So next. So this is a sensitive topic, the pay adjustment. So according to the Dole, the, the reasoning behind a pay adjustment, and when I say, when I say pay adjustment, it means a, a, a downward pay adjustment, meaning you're actually reducing the salary of uh, the workforce. Now, this it, it can't be without basis. In other words, it can't be arbitrary. The business just can't decide that, oh, it's new normal, um, there's there's an issuance here, and so now we can we can uh, lower the the pay of the employers. If you are a supermarket, for example, or a pharmacy, then you have you're allowed to operate even under ECQ because you're uh, you provide essentials. So in the the employees then of pharmacies and and supermarkets, uh, they can't like. The, the, the business can't lower their pay because they're allowed to operate anyway, even under quarantine. So again, this has to have a basis. And to be safe, you need the workers. You, you will want the workers to agree to the pay adjustment. And the dolim has to be informed of, of the downward pay adjustment. So I've seen some businesses already. They, they, they made the employees agree to a to get paid at 90% of their original wage. And, and in another case, the employees were paid at 70% of the original uh, salary. So this is only to recognize that it's better that the business keep on operating uh, rather compared to the business closing, because it's better for both the employee and the employer that the business keep on operating. Um, and the employee would rather agree to have a lower salary and and be and still be employed compared to the business closing down because it now has less demand it, it's losing it's losing money it's in the red and and the, the employer can't afford the same level of pay so that's the reasoning behind this and you need to keep that in mind so that there won't be any circumvention of labor laws so So the next is termination of employment. And the termination of employment here uh, is in the context of, again, the new normal uh, in which businesses are suffering. So you can either 
close shop in the like for many businesses like kids playrooms or playgrounds the most prudent decision they can make is just to close shop and to cease business operations completely and for other businesses maybe the prudent thing to do is just to right size meaning to retrench some employees so that the business will be uh, the, the proper size uh, to be profitable now in these cases in 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 retrenchment or closing shop uh, to avoid further business losses the requirement is to provide separation pay and that will be equivalent to at least one month of pay or one half month pay for every year of service whichever is higher that's according to the labor code and in all instances you need to provide to follow you need to follow the proper procedure which involves a notice to the employee 30 days prior and also a notice to the dole now there is a uh, question about whether um, you are the business is really uh, losing um, enough it's really losing money right because there is an exception to to um, retrenchment and that exception is uh, the, and for that, that that exception it applies when the business is losing so much money over a long period of time that the law allows the business not to pay separation pay to the employee now for that uh, I advise you consult a labor lawyer to see if the exception applies because it's really on a case-to-case -case basis and but of course if the business has money it's really it's 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 really just a matter of uh, compassion and a matter of uh, some a lot of times doing the right thing to pay separation pay so the next topic is commercial rent so what if i can't pay my rent as a as, as a tenant as an msme so in this case the law allows the bayanihan act and dpi regulations allow for a rent deferral so there's a 30-day grace period uh, for rent. It doesn't mean, again, this doesn't mean that you don't have to pay rent. It just means that you don't have to pay rent now or during the quarantine. Now, uh, the counting of the 30 days, there's a difference between businesses that can operate during quarantine and businesses that are not allowed to operate during quarantine. Now, for businesses that are allowed to operate, uh, during quarantine like uh, pharmacies and supermarkets then the 30 days will just be counted from the last due date of the rent so uh, if the last due date of the rent was for example April um, 15 for pharmacy uh, then the 30 the, the 30 days will they will just get a, a grace period of 30 days during quarantine which will be up to um uh, may 15. so that's the new due date uh, the may 15. and and because th that's because they can still operate because they're a pharmacy now for businesses that cannot operate under quarantine then the 30 days has to be counted and for some many businesses that's june 1. Uh, the 30 days will be counted from june 1 2020 because that's the start of the gcq right so 30 days from June 1 is July 1. So instead of 
of uh, uh, so the, the rental will now be paid on July 1 because the 30 days will be counted from the lifting of the quarantine uh, on uh, since since June 1, 2020. So another effect of this will be that the cumulative amount of rent will be amortized over the next six months. But in re of course, in reality, this will just be a matter of the restructuring of the payments of the rent li rental liabilities will just be a matter of negotiate negotiation uh, between the lessee and the lessor, right? Uh, but of course, this um, and and as a practical matter, uh, I advise that as early as possible, as early as you can, you contact the the landlord or the lessor to renew to renew to renegotiate or to, to restructure the rental obligations. And if possible, to ask for a, uh, a rent reduction, because let's face it, uh, the business will not be, many businesses will not be as profitable as they were. And it's, it's, it will be better if you just be transparent, uh, that the business, that the financial condition of the business is bleak, and that if we maintain the same level of rent, the business will not be profitable, and that uh, you will you are willing to pre-terminate the lease and to pay the rental for the remaining months, um, just so that you can you you can get out of the contract. And the for the most part, you know the the perspective of the lessor, the lessor will also understand. Like the lessor wants to lock in contracts. It's better to receive. A lower rent than to not have than to have the tenants get out of the contract to pre-terminate their leases and and because it's hard to find another another tenant it will be hard in the new normal so for both parties the lesser and the lessee it is mutually beneficial to to have a uh, a lower rent to a good to restructure uh, the contract in a way that is acceptable to both parties so that is just a practical advice. So, so ne next is grace period for banks. So uh, since the start of GCQ, uh, June 1, this is no longer applicable. So due, uh, due dates for, uh, for bank loans falling on or after June 1, uh, they're they are they're effective so the the deferral of the payment of the amortization for loans they only applied uh during during the the ecq so the next slide so there is a Facebook page. It's actually the DTI, and it's a small business corporation on Facebook, and they they are there to provide loans, small business loans, up to a maximum of five hundred thousand. And I advise uh, small businesses to explore that option by visiting their Facebook page. The details are there. So as you as you've seen. As you may have noticed, some of the regulatory advice that I've provided 
they are also business pivots, right? So um, by retrenching employees, it's a way to go for the business to get leaner, right? For the operations to get leaner by reducing the number of employees, by streamlining operations, uh, and also flexible work arrangements. It's also a, a business pivot in a way by having work from home. So uh, in complying with the lawyer also in a way, reorganizing your operations in such a way that will allow you to remain profitable. And of course, more businesses are moving into the cloud and, and more businesses are moving online in the sense of, of uh, using online channels to sell their product and to reach customers. So uh, many of you are probably more informed than I am about that because you're, you're uh, in business. Now, there's also a very interesting option here, uh, a business pivot, which is co-working space and virtual offices. Now, co-working spaces, they allow you to work in, in the same uh, area or in the same place as other, with other businesses, right? And, and in doing this, you don't, you, you, you're, you're basically also effectively delegating compliance with the DTI and Dole interim rules to the manager of the co-working space because since they're the ones who are responsible in managing the space, then they, they, they have to keep updated or keep abreast with the new regulations when it comes to PPEs or they're the ones who have to provide disinfectants. They're the ones who have to take care of disinfecting the, uh, the, the, the elevator buttons and the, um, the, the, the doorknobs. So if you don't want to, if, if you want a way to, to, to have a lower cost option in terms of uh, office space and also delegate uh, the regulations, the regulatory compliance, you can, you can, uh, you can explore the co-working space option. And the, the virtual office option is also, uh, is, is also something worth considering. The virtual office is, it, it just means that you have a business address for professional purposes, for corresponding with business partners and to the public. In the public's eye, that's your business address. You can receive mail there. You can receive court summons there if ever you're going to be involved in a litigation. And also uh, for business registration, for, for BIR purposes, you can use that space. However, you cannot use that space to operate, to, to, to act like your employees don't go there to that space to work because that's why it's called the virtual office because it's for the purposes of having a official business address and for business registration with government agencies and to receive correspondence. But, uh, and, and the advantage of this is so that you are reduced, you, you, it's, it's a very low cost option, that's the advantage. And many virtual offices, many co-working spaces also offer virtual office uh, um, features and they also have amenities like uh, meeting rooms, conference rooms, which you can rent on a per hour basis. So 
you can explore i advise exploring this option because especially if your your business is of the sort that does not really need to meet that often and can mostly just work at home so the next topic that i will talk about is the option of closing shop so sometimes you just have to take it in the chin and close shop because the business is not profitable now i wish all of you well i uh, hopefully you will be able to endure and be and thrive in the new normal but i just want to give you a mental model of the different stages of closing shop because again this has become a stark reality in the new normal for many businesses now at, on the first level will be the lgu so you want to get a certification of closure both from the barangay and the city so that's the first stage and the next will be the bir where and the bir will give you a tax clearance and then after that will be the sec and and the sec will dissolve your corporation if it's a corporation if you're a sole proprietorship uh, the sec is not relevant to you and then will be the dti where you cancel your business name now as a practical advice um if you do decide to close up at least finish it make sure you finish it at the tax level at the bir level because even if you're not anymore operating even if you're not earning money you still have to comply with the paperwork for the bir so just to free your mind off of that um of those obligations uh you want to get a tax clearance and a certificate of closure from the bir so this is just uh and the, the particular requirements of uh, these certificates on uh, different levels um, it's it's just paperwork and um, you can you can get help from an accountant on that or you can uh, research online but this is just a, a, an overview of, of the of the stages of closure of business closure so the next will be the next topic will be uh, insolvency now with regard to insolvency uh, the definition of insolvency is when your liabilities are greater than your assets now the reason i want to talk about this is this is not only helpful to you if you are insolvent or if you are at risk of insolvency but also if you are a creditor or if you have a claim against uh, another company or another sole proprietorship or another business because and when i say claim it doesn't mean necessarily that you loaned money to another entity but it can also mean you sold uh, a, a product or a service to a client and then you're unpaid right so if you're unpaid and it fulfills the requirements of insolvency which is that if it's a corporation then the claim for the creditor has to be 1 million or at least 25% of the subscribed capital stock the creditor can initiate insolvency proceedings on the entity uh, that on, on the subject entity or if the entity is a sole proprietorship the creditor can initiate insolvency proceedings if the claim in aggregate is at least 500,000 uh, pesos and they are un unable to pay 
for more than 30 days. Now, when I say claim, uh, when I say creditor, it can mean one creditor or it can mean many creditors. So a group of creditors, if they have a claim of at least 1 million or at least 25% of the capital stock, whichever is higher, they can actually file insolvency proceedings against another entity. Now, if so, uh, what this means is creditors or unpaid or unpaid uh, businesses uh, that have the same client that have a common client they can actually team up together to file an insolvency proceeding against uh, the the person who did, who did not uh, or the, or the business that did not pay them. So again, this is. This is a reality now. This is a reality now in the new normal, and it is helpful for you to know this because you might be either a debtor or a creditor. And again, when I say creditor, it does not just mean that you loan money to a business. It, it also means if you have a claim, a claim uh, as a result of being unpaid for your product or for your service. It helps creditors by preventing fraud because in many occasions, if businesses are unable, are having a difficult time, then they will just run away or sell their assets or, or take, take money out of the business so that the creditor cannot anymore um, uh, uh, get what the creditors do. It also helps debtors because it will prevent the chaotic filing of collection suits. And nobody, and that will fill in the dockets of the courts and and if the debtor successfully uh, uh, files an insolvency proceeding, then all of those collection suits will be consolidated in that one case. So such that after that uh, insolvency proceeding, uh, there will be no more, there will be no more uh, claim, right? So the debtor will be free, can sleep well at night, knowing that uh, that the, the, the debt has been, has been paid by in, in in because that because because the debtor has has initiated insolvency proceedings so it creates predictability in commerce so that's the purpose of the law here so there are different types of insolvency proceedings so one is rehabilitation in rehabilitation the idea is to resuscitate uh, so there's an unprofitable business whose liabilities are greater than its assets, and the idea is to resuscitate the business and to get it into a state of profitability. And the and the other option is, of course, suspension of payments, which can also happen in uh, rehabilitation, where it, it puts the debtor in a in, 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 a, in a position of greater bargaining power with all of its creditors in the sense that the debts or the payables can be restructured in a way that uh, is acceptable to both the, cre the creditor and the debtor. So this is just a way to have the court supervise the negotiations so that, uh, so that again, to prevent chaos, to prevent uh, the 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 free for all filing of of uh, of cases, the chaotic filing of cases, and also fraud to prevent fraud, and also liquidation. So this is another um, option in insolvency where the idea is to pay 
as many creditors as much as they can be paid. And the end point of this is basically the business will cease its operation completely because the, the, the business has sold its assets to pay its, uh, its, its creditors. So I'm sorry if, if this was a bit technical, but then I hope that I have provided you an overview of insolvency and also of the regulatory uh, compliance that everybody has to experience in the new normal. And, and that, is the, that is the end of my talk. And I hope that this was helpful to you. Um, thank you very much. If you have questions, I am willing to answer them since I think we still have time. Tim, what do you think? Yeah, uh, we could take uh, a few questions if uh, you guys have uh, questions, anyone in the audience. But uh, to start with, uh, let me uh, interact with you first. Because like, uh, like, yeah, it was a bit technical. I, I did get lost a few times. Um, but fortunately, you know, Google's our best friend. There's always something we can like just search. Uh, but I really appreciated that like you went through uh, like process and then you explained it a bit because like sometimes like it seems uh, straightforward but sometimes we still have questions like okay so this is like the guideline and then but what does that mean so thank you for expounding on uh, the guidelines that are listed so yeah uh, we have an ask a question tab if you're using your mobile or if you're using your laptop uh, it's over here um, I'm not sure where I'm at, but it's, it should be in the bottom of your screen. So yeah, okay. So while we get there, like uh, yeah, um, I appreciate also that you were bringing up some uh, some difficult topics uh, because it's definitely not easy to talk about uh, those topics. Uh, but sometimes it's it's something that we need to at least think about uh, because uh, you know the new normal is uh, it's quite uncertain. And uh, they're just things we need to have in our contingency plan, if ever, if we are to remain sustainable. All right. Uh, OK. So if we don't have any questions, uh, Ken, do you have any uh, last words that you'd like to give as uh, advice or encouragement to the uh, SMEs and startups that are listening in? Well, I just want to advise that, again, the, the, the forms that I've mentioned are important. Uh, and I've mentioned in my, uh, this lecture is replayable. And, and um, I've mentioned uh, labor advisory number nine and also the interim rules of the DTI and the DOLE, in which they can find, the audience can find the work accident and illness report, which they have to submit monthly. And the DOLE also provides a, uh, the report form for the flexible work arrangement. And, and, and also, uh, like regulatory compliance, it's, it's something that, that might be difficult, but then everybody has to follow just as a matter not only of 
bear compliance with the law, but also as a matter of keeping everyone safe. Like we have to pull together in this crisis to prevent the spread of infections. Like everybody has suffered uh, more than enough, really, because of lockdown and, and everything. So, yeah, and that's my advice. And uh, I just want to thank the organizers and the audience for listening and attending this webinar. All right. Okay. Right. Thanks, Ken. Thanks for joining us tonight. Uh, thank you for bringing us uh, these advice for walking us through the guidelines, the legal guidelines. Um, personally, I'm I'm not uh, a lawyer, or I'm not very familiar with legal management. But um, one thing that, from a business perspective, that these legal guidelines also help businesses because, like, a lot of people are like, "How do we work from home?" Like, maybe some businesses have not even thought of that. But like the government took a step forward and said, like, you can do it, and this is how you do it. So it's one of the ways to give us an idea and a guide. So yeah, uh, we thank uh, our lawyers and we thank the regulations for being flexible enough to accommodate such changes in uh, these new times. All right, so once again, thank you, Ken, for joining us. Thank you to those watching on Facebook Live on Crowdcast. Um, if you have questions, but you were not able to formulate them now, uh, we will be sending a, uh, a follow-up email. So if you are watching on Facebook Live and uh, you want to be able to reach uh, Attorney Ken, so please register even though uh, it's uh, past the webinar. Uh, that way we will be able to reach you. And for those who are already registered on Crowdcast, uh, you will receive the follow-up email and you will get the contact details on how to reach Attorney Ken for any questions you may have. Right, so thank you everyone for joining us. We we hope that you guys learned on uh, um, the issues that are uh, that, that are faced by uh, business owners, startups, SMEs, and uh, we have another webinar next uh, Wednesday. Um, so do watch out uh, your follow up emails for that. And thank you again for joining us. Have a good evening, everyone. Stay safe. Take care. Bye. Thank you. Bye bye.